Hi, everybody. Merry Christmas. This is the December 6th letter that I'm sending. So today I have a story that explores the other side of the spiritual coin. I think it's really important to not explore dark things with abandon because they are really volatile and um, they can easily invite unwelcome dark things into our lives without our intention to do so. But before I read part of a chapter of a book, there's a personal story that I wanted to share. And um, it's about Eden. When she was a baby, she was a super light sleeper. She, um, I basically slept with her until I weaned her because otherwise she would literally wake up every hour or even like before an hour was done. So like 12 times plus a night. <clears throat> I tried a lot of things, including sleep training. I tried weaning her a couple times, but I didn't feel right about it. Um, and even still... I tried them and they didn't work. So it's hard to describe this to people who don't have a light sleeper, but trust me, anything could wake her up, like moving her arm, um, unlatching her, laying her down in bed. This is my other kids were also really light sleepers, but she was beyond them by a mile, but it's a long tail for another day <laughs> anyway. But when she reached, um, like two or three, three, she was sleeping pretty well. She'd wake up a few times a, a night and then she could usually fall back asleep pretty easily. She just needs some reassurance and then she'd fall back asleep. But by the time she reached about four or like when she was starting to go to school, she was, uh, by then she was a pretty good sleeper. Like, and she still is now a pretty good sleeper. She doesn't usually wake up. Um, but the only time there was a time that this wasn't true and it's when I un unintentionally brought something dark into our house. I was reading a book by a Korean author. I was reading in English because my Korean's not that good. Um, this book had won one of the biggest prizes in international fiction. And if you've read it, you might guess what book it is. The writing was really incredible. I mean, it's one of the best written books I've ever read. And it was a haunting book. And it I think it was a mirror to some of the really empty, dark things that happen to people as a result of generational violence. So I don't have any judgment of the book. Um, there's a really disturbing chapter later. I mean, it's all really disturbing, but super, super disturbing later in the book. When I was reading it, I felt really unsettled, but I have to admit there was a part of me that kind of was like curious, wanted to know and explore more. Like I was curious as if this was like a thing that other people experienced, uh, it was kind of like, felt like the beginning of a dark curiosity. You can't describe it well, but I bet, you know, the feeling. So even though I knew that the behavior was wrong and I believe that the author was in no way condoning the behavior being described, there's just something so interesting and fascinating about the way people were acting with each other. Um, Anyway, I finished the book. I was super creeped out. I mean, the end is even like worse than the part that I was like kind of curious about. But then I just left it at that. I, I honestly didn't go down like this weird deep rabbit hole of disturbing stuff. I just felt done. Um, I felt done except that. And I, I swear this is true. I mean, like I know you know me and I don't. I'm not like in the habit of like lying or embellishing stories um, to the point of them not being true. But 
Eden, she began to wake up the night after I finished the book. She started waking up with night terrors. She was so, she'd wake up screaming about stuff. And it was probably half a dozen or more times a night from the time that I finished that book. Um, and I was like a few days into this, I think it probably lasted about a week. I was truly at my wits end because I was not getting a full night's sleep. And like, I thought that we were done <laughs> with the, her waking up a billion times. But I mean, and this is totally different because I couldn't just nurse her back to bed or even sleeping with her. She would still wake up like screaming and I couldn't get a full night's sleep. So I was like a zombie during the day and I was super grumpy and it was really sad because she was really freaked out every night. Um, so I was praying about it and I felt an impression that I had let some dark things into our home because of reading that book or maybe because of my experience with it because I was getting too immersed in that. I'm not really sure, but, um, I did repent. I tried to repent the best I could. I returned the book and I tried to like recommit to reading or watching things that were more uplifting. And I think like I'm a big reader and sometimes I'll come across things that I, you know, are a little bit disturbing or, or not uplifting. And I'll usually just either put it aside or I'll skip or I'll, you know, I don't like put a lot of energy into that. Um, I just try to like move on. But for some reason, this book really did a number on my daughter and she wasn't even the one that was reading it. So, um, I also did my best to cast out evil spirits with words and with prayer. I mean, tried a bunch of different things and I'm not really sure what stuck, but a little while after this change of heart of mine, where I felt like I had to try to be more careful about my behavior, um, peace returned to Eden's sleep. And it was like night and day, like one day she was waking up with night terrors and the next it was fine. And it has not returned since. Thank goodness. Um, and I mean, I'm lucky. I feel like really lucky that I'd, I'd read some interesting things and stories about, um, bringing things into the home that affected the whole spirit of the home. I mean, some of these are like bringing in accidentally bringing in occult objects or purposefully, but mostly it was like accidental, some types of books, definitely, um, pornography brings evil things into the home. Um, even some video games I've read that bring evil spirits into the home and symbols and crystals, which is super fascinating. Cause I know crystals are like a thing now. Um, and again, this is not a judgment of any of that stuff. But I just think like if you know about it and um, it doesn't hurt to know it's it's something I honestly don't have a ton of knowledge about. And I'm not the strictest parent when it comes to like my own kids reading um, and what they're 
you know, like they have phones, they try, they have a filter and I try to be careful, but I'm not like the most strict parent. They do play video games sometimes. I'm like a hundred percent certain there are things in our home that are not uplifting. And, um, I'm just, guess I'm on this journey with you. I'm trying to walk the line of not being the most boring extreme parent in the world, but like the more I read, the more I question a lot of the influences in my home. And I want to be more careful with the things that we bring into our home. Um, so anyway, there's a really interesting part of a chapter from a book by Derek Prince. And I haven't read this book in a while. And I think when I started it a few years ago, I only got about maybe three quarters of the way through. But yesterday morning, I woke up at about four in the morning and I had a really distinct impression to share the beginning of chapter four of this book with you. And that is interesting because I don't remember it was in chapter four and I was a little scared. <laughs> It's like, what am I sharing? I I don't know, but it was pretty distinctive. Um, and so I read through it and I thought, oh, this is actually something that I think that you guys would think is interesting. Um, he's a Christian minister and he has a long history in his own Christian ministry of casting out evil spirits. And the book is so fascinating. I mean, he does disparage my own faith <laughs> in the book, but um, that's okay. We're, we're all in this together. Um, so this part of the chapter is his own personal history of depression and casting out. And I want to strongly say this is not a judgment in any way of conventional therapy or pharmaceuticals. I'm all for therapy. Like, I think it's awesome. And I know that medication can be super helpful in a lot of cases. It's just a story which I believe is true. And I think that he's trying to help people by sharing it. And I hope that your interest in this story leads you to more truth. And hopefully it's just another tool in your wheelhouse of living in this world with your eyes fully open. So the book is called They Shall Expel Demons. I'll summarize a bit before I read a few paragraphs from chapter four. So after World War II, he had served four years with the British forces in the Middle East. He had married a Danish school teacher named Lydia Christensen who was the head of a children's home in Jerusalem, and she had already adopted eight girls. There were six Jewish girls, one Palestinian girl, and one English girl, and they moved to London in 1948. He started a ministry in the middle of London, and he said that post-war England had a, an overtone of weary cynicism. People were still standing in really long lines for basic food necessities. Tempers were frayed and... Fewer than 5% of people were attending church. A lot of churches had closed during the war, and according to him, the remaining churches didn't have very hopeful messages. So there were also vacant lots of burned-out houses, and there were reminders everywhere of the city of whole families that had died due to bombings. So he had begun pastoring a little Pentecostal congregation, and he said, he had what could be considered at the time a decent amount of success in his congregation. He felt like he was regularly leading people to Christ, seeing changes of heart, but the overarching feeling he had this time was of grayness and depression. There was fuel that was being used in the city that, that caused this dark physical fog where you couldn't 
see very far because there was so much pollution. The weather was really gray. People's feelings were really bleak and hopeless, and his own feelings were bleak and hopeless. And even though he was pretty successful as a minister, he couldn't overcome the feeling that he wouldn't and couldn't ultimately succeed in his ministry. There was this inner voice that he constantly heard whispering to him that he wouldn't prevail. And he was pretty confused by this feeling because up to that point, he had had a series of a lot of successes. He had been a King's Scholar at Eton at age 13. He had gone to King's College, Cambridge, as a senior scholar of his year. And then he had first-class honors. He served as a research student. He was elected a fellow of King's College. And then he went on to serve in the military medical corps as a non-combatant. When he was in the military, he had a supernatural experience with Jesus Christ that revolutionized his goals in life. And then he said from that point on, he could really see God's hand in his life. But then he also was confused because while he wasn't really paying much attention to God, he had lived with a lot of success. But once he aligned himself with God's plan, he was often assaulted with the idea that he couldn't succeed. He couldn't doubt his experience with God. It was his impression with that was too deep and too lasting, but he still felt depressed in his daily life. He said he felt isolated, lonely, and shut off even from people in his family. And he tried to read the Bible a lot. He fasted all the time. He was devoting weeks to intensive prayer. And then this feeling of depression would leave momentarily, but it would always come back, which further deepened how hopeless he felt because he couldn't experience the joy of being alive in Christ, no matter how hard he was trying. So here's where I'm going to quote a few paragraphs that he wrote about understanding what it was afflicting him. Finally, in 1953, when I had exhausted all my own resources, God came to to my help in a way I had never contemplated. I was reading the opening verses of Isaiah 61, which described the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in bearing testimony to the message of the gospel. Verses Jesus applied to himself in the synagogue in Nazareth. See Luke 4, 16-21. As I came to the words in verse 3, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, also called a spirit of despair and a spirit of fainting, I could read no further. It was as though this phrase, the spirit of heaviness, was underlined by some invisible hand. I repeated the phrase to myself, the spirit of heaviness. Was this God's diagnosis of my condition? Could it mean that the force I was struggling with was not part of myself but an alien person, an evil spirit being that somehow occupied an area of my mind? I recalled a term I had once heard but did not understand. Familiar spirit. Did it possibly refer to some kind of evil power that attached itself to the members of a family, moving down from generation to generation? Then he goes on to recall how his father, he says 98% of the time he was the proper English gentleman, but occasionally a minor event would upset him and he would shut himself into a rigid stony silence for as long as 24 hours at a time, not even saying thank you when small favors were done for him during this time. And he comes to understand that a familiar dark spirit had followed him throughout his life, just as it had his father. 
he believed that it studied his temperament and weaknesses and it had a strong objective. And the main objective was to prevent him from serving Jesus Christ effectively. So as long as Derek Prince was not on a gospel path, the spirit of depression and darkness didn't really care. But as soon as he started following that path, he became a lot more afflicted with it. This was the decisive moment in my life. I had always regarded my depression and negative attitude as an expression of my own character, something I had been born with. I had felt guilty that I was not a better Christian. Now it became clear to me that my struggle was not against part of my own personality at all. Immediately, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind the promise of Joel 2.32, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. From my study of Hebrew, I knew this verb also means to save, to rescue. I determined to apply this promise and to act on it. I said a simple prayer that went something like this. Lord, you've shown me that I have been oppressed by a spirit of heaviness, but you have promised in your word that if I call on your name, I shall be delivered. So I'm calling on you now to deliver me in the name of Jesus. The response was immediate. Something like a huge heavenly vacuum cleaner came down over me and sucked away the gray mist that shrouded my head and shoulders. At the same time, a pressure in the area of my chest was forcibly released, and I gave a little gasp. God had answered my prayer. Suddenly, everything around me seemed brighter. I felt as if a heavy burden had been lifted from my shoulders. I was free. All my life I had been under that oppression. It felt strange to be free, but I discovered quickly that freedom was normal and that oppression was abnormal. My old enemy did not give up on me. I still had to struggle against oppression, but the great difference now was that it, its attacks came from without, not from within. I gradually learned how to withstand it. The main thrust of the attacks was to induce in me reactions of added or attitudes of pessimism. When everything seemed to be going wrong, I would begin to entertain negative thoughts about what I could expect to happen. Quite soon, I would feel the all-too-familiar gray mist beginning to settle down over my head and shoulders. At this point, God taught me another important lesson. He would do for me what I could not do for myself, but he would not do for me what he required me to do for myself. God had responded to my cry and delivered me from the spirit of heaviness, but after that he held my, me responsible to exercise spiritual discipline over my own thoughts. So Derek Prince goes on to describe some of the tactics that he uses, and this is really important because even though he's been delivered from this dark feeling or this dark spirit, it's that he has to continue on in the path of Christ. And so every time he has a negative thought, he counters it with scripture and it takes a while, but then he describes that after a while, those negative thoughts or that spirit that's trying to afflict him kind of just gives up and realizes that he is protected from that kind of influence. And here I'll quote a little bit more from this chapter. Complete victory did not come immediately, but over the course of time, my mental reflexes were built up to the point that it was almost automatic to counter any negative suggestion from the demon with some opposite positive word from scripture. As a result, that particular demon seldom wastes much time now in attacking me. So that is the end um, of what I'm going to quote from this author. 
And I also apologize for poor Eden. She's homesick and she's coughing in the background. Um, but some things that I thought were super interesting was one, in order to cast out that evil spirit or that demon from inside, like an inside influence of him, he needed to have knowledge that that was even a thing. So, um, tomorrow or today I'll share something, a story about, um, some casting out that was, that happened through a priesthood blessing, but I think that there are multiple ways to cast out and, um, I'm not exactly sure of the, the perfect exact correct way to do it every time, but there are ways that I think are, are really fascinating. And the second thing is, um, once this, he calls demon was cast out, he couldn't, he wasn't 100% through, um, that dark oppressive feeling, even though he was saying at this point it was coming from without, he still had to counter negativity or pessimism with positive thoughts from the scriptures. And I think that's super important. So once an evil influence leaves you, they still want to get back inside. It's really, really great for them if they can bring you to a point where you are really down on yourself. Um, and he had to counter that consistently over time with positive thoughts from the scriptures, um, that we are meant to succeed, that we're meant to, uh, have the light of Christ and be full of love and that he had to do that over time. It wasn't just like this silver bullet necessarily, but he did need that initial like casting off. So those are some really interesting, um, ideas that I wanted to share with you. And again, not a judgment of any other kind of method that anyone is using. I think all of those are valid and super, super cool, necessary in many cases, but just another idea um, for you to like chew on and something in your wheelhouse. Um, and I do truly believe that Jesus Christ has the power to save and to bring light and joy and love into our lives. And I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and I hope I'll get to record another thing today, but I don't know. Life is busy. <laughs> I love you guys. Merry Christmas. Have a great day. Bye.